Welcome, everybody, to the Real Thrills Podcast. As always, I am Jay. I am here with Eric. Eric, how are you today? Great, Jay. How are you? Oh, I just came off vacation. Sorry for all you listeners. <laughs> we took a little sabbatical last week, but we got a great show. This is one for us, really, right? Yeah, this this was sure. a movie that we chose. You know, once we were kind of diving into this show, we learned a lot. Right? What was it? A a one point five million dollar budget that grossed about two hundred thousand dollars. So did, didn't do very well. And yeah. are, and can you? Is this a cult classic now? Are people like on board? I am. You're <laughs> I'm a fan, you, right? <laughs> I, so for all you listeners, it was my first watch, which is great. I love to experience that on the show. Uh, the movie was Hatchet, and trust me, Adam Green, the director. Did not care about the numbers and did three more of these bad boys. Uh, and what we, you know, your influence on this movie is, is why we we brought it to the uh, eighth episode. Here we are. Um, thank you for all your listeners again. But uh, is that a milestone though? Eight, eight. I don't know. I don't even know what our average listening. Was it about 20 people out there? We lasted longer, I think, than uh, Jason Voorhees as a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's untrue. Uh, or, or that is true, unfortunately. There we go. There's, there's, That's how it's supposed to come out. Yeah. But uh, I think what you loved about it was the actual character of Victor Crowley. Yeah. And you used it. You just, you just, you know, did the... Uh, you know, burying the lead here that it's 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 pretty much a reincarnation of Jason Voorhees. Yep, it, a two thousand version, not in a lake, but at the Bayou in Saint in Louisiana. Sorry, not not St. Louis, Louisiana. Uh, so that element was super awesome, and I think we'll get into that as yeah. as we go along. But uh, take us away, Eric. This this is something that was more near and dear to your heart. You you influenced me to you, you got to see it. It's a slasher. It's it, it, it's it's an homage to all the 80s slasher movies that uh, we used to grow up on. Yeah, I think it was just a film that when I saw it, I, I watched, I kind of saw it late in the game. I, I saw it after they had already done the first three. And so I watched them kind of back to back to back. And each film um, kind of like shocked me with how I think original some of the kill scenes were and that they brought this new horror villain into the scene. I think it just it, it's a movie that didn't take itself too seriously and oh, was not and, at all. And just yeah, it took me back to like that what what I grew up with, which is that 80s kind of slasher, bad acting, low budget, gory. It just it did all those things for me. So to do that in the mid 2000s when horror was taking itself really seriously for a while. Yeah. It was lots of like jump scares and tactics that were more about supernatural. And while this movie does have that supernatural element to it, it still had a figure that came out and decapitated people. And it, it created, again, it, more than, than a, an essence, it created a, a being who was there. Yeah. And it was kind of like after Scream. Yeah. Quite and a then bit, yeah. before Saw. Or during as Saw was coming out, yeah, I think Saw landed around the same time, right? So that's probably why Saw got all the glitz and glamour, high budget, high acting, and it was very popularized, and they made many movies. So I think this movie would fall under the B movie category, maybe. For sure. Yeah. So, but as I was watching it, I was like, this had a chance. Because they actually had actors that, when you watch it, and I hope you all do, uh, if you if you have Amazon Prime, it will like talk right into the remote, hatch it, <laughs> and it will come on Tubi. Is that how you saw? How we just watched it? We just watched it on Amazon Prime. It's free. It's on. So there you go. Amazon Prime. Oh, the, it's, the first three films are all on Amazon. So if you want to watch them back to back to back. There, there you go. So yeah, a hundred percent. There you go. Go ahead and watch it after you listen to us. It, it's a, it's, it's actually fun. Uh, and trust me, the, the the body count is low, but the gore and the deaths are like a hundred, a hundred out of a hundred. Man, it, it yeah, was like yeah. whole, whole. They they pulled out all the stops when it came to death and blood and and the uniqueness of death scenes by this 
Victor Crowley. Not just like Saw had a different element where it was like torture porn. This was not torture. This was like, no, I'm going to kill you in the most like gruesome way. And your blood is literally going to splatter against all the trees. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the difference between like this and in a Saw type film that came out around the same time is that Saw was more appealing to folks because it was more of that mystery, you know, like who, the whodunit kind of yeah. aspect of it. Whereas oh, you see. Hatchet is like, boom, it's right out of the gate. And you know there's something askew here and that people are going to die. So I think with Saw, you're a little bit more trying to figure out and unravel the mystery of the whole thing, which I think keeps the the watcher engaged. And I think it's like if you're a horror fan, you can bring your girlfriend to it and she'll watch it. Maybe she'll look away every now and then. But there's not a lot of that jump scare. Like like Hatchet has a little bit more of a jump scare. Um, it's a bunch but, of puzzles, jigsaw. Yeah. Like it, the, the saw, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. I'm yeah. not, not wasn't a big fan of the torture porn type horror genre that was really peaking at that time. Yeah, um, yeah. The I saw the first one. It was and yeah, saw and yeah. Right, I saw the first one. It was great, and I was all set. I think as they kept getting more elaborate, and you mentioned same thing with Hatchet, right? There's three others on top of this. Yeah. So if you watch this and you're like, how much more elaborate are they? I'm already intrigued. Like I, I, I now have to watch two, three and the return of Victor Crowley. Yeah. So I'm kind of on board of this little B movie genre. And I hope the listeners, uh, you know, take to that. Yeah. I think it finally took until Victor Crowley, which is the, the fourth installation of the film to have, I think a decent budget to make what looked like a really high end horror oh, movie great. where I think the first three, like the, we'll just, we'll call it out. The first one, it looks very low budget. And so you can tell by a $1.5 million budget, they had to pay. And we've got some names in this. We've got Kane Hodder. He yep. he he plays two roles in this. He plays Victor Crowley and he plays Victor Crowley's father. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in the movie quite a bit. You've got Robert England of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. He's in it Fred, for a very short Freddy, time. Freddy, Freddy Krueger. Um, you've got Tony Todd, Candyman. Yes. Um, you've got big names in here. So you know, I don't know. There's all the budget. I think it's all gone. And then and then you got a lot of, <laughs> I guess, B level actors and. Actresses. Yeah, I think the gore, there's a lot of like gory like kill scenes that I think probably cost a little bit of money. Um, they s- definitely skimped a little bit probably on the the soundtrack. Doesn't have a lot of not a lot of music they on could, there. They couldn't get Bill Murray. They got his younger brother Joel. So <laughs> that was that was a big deal. You know, it, a Murray is attached to this movie. That's true. So. Um, but what else? Uh, let Let's start with a little bit background of the movie. We got Adam Green is the director. Yeah, and I looked at his kind of filmography, and he only did a couple, like, again, lower budget, you know, B-movie type things before this one. So I think this was sort of like his first feature film, so to speak. Um, and you can tell he's the writer-director. Um, dialogue in it is a little outdated, probably even for 2007. Um, it's a lot of, like, kind of kitschy comedy Um there, you know, there's some homophobia in here. There's some, um, you know, kind of racist comments. It, it, it just, it, it kind of goes across the board where you can tell it's very much a unfiltered, uh, you know, teenagers. Pre, 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 inter- well, internet was around, but pre, like cell phone. Like, I think there was a Nokia in the, in this. One person yep. <laughs> had a phone, and it was a Nokia. One. One. I think in, just one, yeah. In 06? Did you have a phone in 06? I did. Um, I yeah. Had, I think I yeah. had two. I had a work phone and a Nextel. I'm pretty sure I had a Nokia <laughs> at the time. I didn't know. Yeah. So, anyway, um, what else? You got, you got the, we talked about budget, 2007, Adam Green. Yeah, we already mentioned some of the big names in there. Um, and then... Uh, Another, I guess, I guess you can call him the lead is um, uh, Joel David Moore. He was in. You'll recognize him from Dodgeball. He was also in Grandma's Boy. He is the computer tech from Grandma's Boy who talks like the robot. I hate your face. Yeah, he's okay. like, you know, loves the Matrix. He's kind of the boss or the yeah, owner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of that tech company. And in Dodgeball, he's like the, the the one that falls in love with the uh, Russian. Yes, with a big unibrow. Yeah. Yep. 
Unibrow. <laughs> I think that was her name, right? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, uh, yep. So, and we also had uh, what was his name, Dion Richmond, and not, I don't think anyone's going to really know that name, but and I don't even think anyone's going to know Tripping. But in 1999, uh, that was one of my favorite movies <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> Tripping, uh, he played Greg, uh, and uh, I don't know. He was in like 30 other movies. He was in a lot of young TV actor. Was on the Cosby, Cosby show. show, yeah. So not another teen movie. So he's, oh, he's yeah. a little bit of a he was the parody ep- kind of uh, actor. Yeah, I don't even know if it's PC to say now, but he was the the token character, <laughs> you know, for uh, now another. And that's literally what his name was in that, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, and 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 again, it, but in this, he kind of played a predominant role. You know, I'll, I'll throw it right out there. He was my favorite death scene, and we'll, yep. we'll get more into that as to why. Um, but again, let's, let's, let's open up to our segments here. The opening scene, number one, like always, uh, obviously you, you start with where I think you're going to go with the, uh, the boat ride. Is that, that's, that's, I'm going to go right after that. I I, I like that other setup scene that I'll, I'll get into about the Mardi Gras. So opening scene, we've got what you find out to be father and son, they're, um, in a boat out on the bayou at night and they appear to be hunting for gator. Yeah. Um, they're kind of having their, their dialogue. You can tell there's a dysfunctional family element to this. Um, but the father is Robert England. And so again, they're having this, uh, conversation back and forth. They're trying to spot this gator as a 12 footer they're waiting for. And all of a sudden they, the son, um, he's got to take a piss, so he can't piss while the boat's moving, and then the boat starts moving while he's pissing, and the gator jumps up, and he says, "We got to pull ashore so I can I can finish my piss." And they go ashore, and um, as the son's taking a piss, he comes back and he sees uh, Papa Robert England is mangled, yeah, just dismembered, totally dismembered, mangled on the ground. He's screaming. Then you see him also. Get thrown around, tossed around, and dismembered. Blood all over trees. You just oh my god, buckets. Yeah, I didn't even know you had that many that much blood in you. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's like three gallons of blood. Yeah. Um, and you don't know what happened to him. You can make an assumption, obviously, because you're watching a horror movie. But, um, I think the son believes that Papa was killed by a gator. I think because he's like, "Where are you, you yeah. you bitch?" You know, he's calling. They call the they're calling the gator a woman the whole time. So they're like, yeah. oh, this, where's this bitch? And he goes down, blood splash, kicks into Marilyn Manson on our soundtrack, and we get the credits. So within the first uh, five minutes, six minutes, yeah, I six think minutes. It's, at the six minute point, we get the first actual kill that we see on scene, which is. And you get a, you get a lot of that is dumb that we'll cover in a, in a later segment, but uh, no, it was it was a hell of an opening scene in that regard where it really kicks off a horror movie. Uh, but it kind of like yeah, you're you're kind of getting into it. Uh, in my opinion, sometimes I don't like it when it gets that quick. Some people yep. do. Uh, I'm not. I like more of the buildup, and that's where I'm going to go with this: is the Mardi Gras scene. They establish the characters a little bit more. Yeah. You talk. You see Ben. He's with his friend Marcus. Uh, ben, played by Joel. Joel David Moore. Yep. Joel David Moore from Dodgeball, and Marcus from Trippin or The Cosby Show. Sure. I mean, he was like a little kid in that, but whatever. Uh, you, you'll know who I'm talking about. Once you see him on film, you're going to be like, I know both those guys. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I guarantee you, or uh, at least the dodgeball guy, yep. uh, Ben. Anyway, so they're just in Mardi Gras, and then it's just it's it's bright, it's sunny, it's colorful, it's Mardi Gras, boobs flying out everywhere. Everywhere you look. I think there was more boob. boobs than deaths in this movie. Definitely. Um, so there you go. By single boob or pair? Pair. I think definitely, was, yeah. yeah, yeah I Either mean, way, I, you win. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Correct. So uh, if, if you're not in it for the blood and guts, uh, you're in it for the nudity, and it's all right there within the first six, seven minutes. So as soon as the credits end, you, you, you're getting this like very fun, and now you're establishing the characters, Ben and Marcus. What they're trying to do is find a ghost tour. 
Because what what else do you do in Louisiana? Yeah, you know, at night, I guess, other than not pl- hang out in Mardi Gras. Uh, but Ben yeah. had had a had a reason why he just got broke up with his girlfriend. Everything reminded After him eight years. Yeah, so he really wanted to be like do something different. So th- there there's where it all happens, and that's why I like that opening scene because it's more fun. It's establishing where they're gonna go with this, and you're kind of like already on board on. Oh, I'm sorry, on board to. Uh, ben and Marcus and their relationship going forward into this in this adventure. Yeah, I think in a lot of these movies, you when they have a kill scene really early in the movie, it's that you want those characters to die. There's something about them, whether it's their dialogue, whether it's their uh, relationship with each other. Something happens where you're like, okay, when they die, you don't care, or you're like interested. You're like, okay, who's this killer? Great, like we thought because you don't. There's no character development, but yeah, you're right. Like now we want to develop the characters who are going to inevitably all face it develops this. is that Victor Crowley's a mean motherfucker, like totally, that's, and, that, and that's the buildup. Now you're yeah. just like, okay, this guy is for real. This guy's legit. We're getting yep. into something that's like over the top. Yeah, and and when they're gonna go find this, they want to go do a. I guess it's like a midnight tour of the bayou where they're going to go yeah, it's like a you know ghost tour or something they go and they see rev rev zombie who is played by tony todd yep and he says i don't do those anymore i don't do the night tours because um not after what happened last time <laughs> yeah it w- it w- it w- again an, uh, another uh total comedic moment like, yeah it, we we think it's going one direction and it's it's totally comedy driven so Again, I don't. I didn't see any interviews or listen to like how Adam Green was really writing this thing, but it was literally, you know, for all you listeners and hopefully future viewers of this movie, uh, it's a comedy. I mean, the, the way, like you said, the way it was written. There's a lot of no, no. It's intentional comedy all throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's like a, it's they they go on the the typical trope where they're going to talk about. You know, like there's two women in the movie that are calling each other skanks and whores, and you have and syphilis. They and yeah, they are. You've got syphilis. You know, you blew my dad. Just like all these different things that that you just again, you get like um. I'll just say it like it's kind of a Jerry Springer vibe. Oh yeah, the characters come off as like all Very different episodes of a Jerry Springer vibe. Um, they have all these kind of dysfunctional stories that are happening in between each other. Marcus is very much about, um, you know, women and he just wants to get laid where Ben is just trying to seek something else that's not surrounding women because he wants to get his mind off of women. But then he meets a woman that he is interested in and has the, you know, like zero game, you know? Yeah. In in, in my opinion, after watching it about, 30, 40 minutes in, I just felt, and we'll get more into this as it develops, but Ben was just in a whole nother fucking movie. Yeah. I, I think he was oblivious. Even during the, the, when pe- people were dying in front of each other. Like, it's yeah. not like one person would go off and not return. This was like murdering in, fr- they knew that Victor Crowley was out here hunting them. And he just was so calm, yeah. so relaxed, just, in another movie, like he was, he was in dodgeball here. Yeah, that's the one thing that didn't really track through the whole film is that every time a ki- they were dying like one or two at a time in front of everybody, but you didn't see the level of fear that you see in a typical horror movie where somebody dies and then they're just totally. No, they're all you, you like, know, oh, we're gonna fight back. Like, yeah. they were very like on the the uh, offensive. Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, not not in, you know. Again, don't want to step on our later se- segments, but what would you do in alternate endings? Like, fucking run, leave your <laughs> friends. Like, you don't even know these people. You're on a yeah. freaking boat tour that you don't even care who dies. Like other than Ben and Marcus is the only relationship you're you're going in as you're like I hope these two make it. Yep. And they're buddies, you know. That's that's kind of it. Anyway, uh, we'll get we'll get into those segments later. I just want to throw out Ben. I think he's in another movie, <laughs> like right off the top. And I'll just say that uh, I don't know how much uh, of that 1.5 million dollar budget was um, paid for by Newberry Comics, but Ben wears a Newberry Comics T-shirt representing Massachusetts. Uh, we're, way to go! We're we're from Massachusetts, representing Massachusetts Newberry comic shirt the whole time. Um, so just want to throw it out there if you're not recognizing the the t-shirt uh, um, logo on there. It's yeah. Newberry Comics, a local Massachusetts uh, kind of 
comic shop. Yeah, that- fun, fun fact, trivia fact, that uh, Adam Green's from Massachusetts. He always used to buy his comics and horror movies from Newberry, so it was kind of an homage. that He, he wanted it in there for that reason, to be like, thumbs up to Newberry. Yep. I don't, so I don't think they paid for it. Okay, any. good. I think it was free publicity by Adam Green. They probably gave him the nod. Do you think the T-shirt was free, though? You think they gave him a tee? We had to pay for that. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that was probably his shirt. He's writing he's it just, off. He's right? just letting Ben wear it. <laughs> ben, here or you go, Ben. <laughs> Joel, whoever. <laughs> he's like, you wear it. He he represented it. I think it was a pretty cool trivia yeah. fact that it was just like, no man, I just yeah, love that. Good store. call out there. Way to go. <laughs> so, um, all right. Let's. So we got into a couple of different opening scenes. One good super uh, death, and the other just kind of building building a, a complete a relationship. 180. You go from dark, swampy, gloomy, death, oh. gory, to fun, bright, boobs. Mardi Gras, boobs. Yeah, you got the whole thing. Yeah. All right, so uh, this next segment is the drop when shit gets real. Oh, my uh, I You could do it right off the tip, uh, I, you know, if you really want that to be your drop, but I'm sure there's better ones for you. What, what do you got? So the drop, I will say, is... Kind of a tough one. There, uh, it takes a little bit, I think, to get into it. But I think when you first get the glance of Victor Crowley, I think it's at the 29-minute point. Um, they're they're in the boat, and they finally see, I think, the correct shack. And they flash a light over, and you see Victor Crowley hunched over running in the scene. And you and you realize that all the, the ghost stories they're telling about Victor Crowley the are, the legends, yep. are real. Victor Crowley's here. Because, yep. again... There's still some doubt in the beginning of the movie, even though the two the two people are killed. You still never see Victor Crowley until the 29-minute point. You get the first glimpse of him. So I'm going to say shit gets real when they are trying to find a way back home after the boat crashes or gets stuck. And the alligator almost bites uh, that dude's Jim, Jim. Permetto. They yeah they almost rip, rip his leg off so they're trying to find a a way to get to get back home or find a phone or find a road, find a house whatever it might be. And you finally see Victor Crowley and you know they're all doomed. Yes, so I'm gonna jump right off of that. You led right into my segment. Perfect. We've done this show before. Uh, so yeah, Jim. Uh, they get off the boat. They're walking towards the shed. It's and Mary Beth is a character actually looking for her father and brother who died in the first five minutes. And she was on the boat with a gun, ready to hunt Victor Crowley. She knew better than everybody on this boat what she yeah. was doing. Anyway, so the the Permettos, Jim and Shannon, were just like, screw these kids, right? This is like this older 50s, 60s, you know, 50 or 60-year-old couple. Like a Midwestern. Yeah, from the Midwest somewhere. And he's got uh, bleeding out of his leg due to an alligator bite. And uh, they're walking towards the shed and they're just yelling, hey, anyone in that shed to help me? And then boom, that's as soon as, you know, then you see Victor Crowley like face up. And then he just takes a hatchet to Jim and then he just snaps Shannon's head in in two from the jaw. So, uh, and that's jaw going up and over and (laughs) just the bottom jaw sitting there with a sprain of, of blood all over the place. Uh, so to me that was a drop because it was just like, well, also, well, that was dumb. Like, don't, don't also <laughs> go. Uh, you start yelling at the shed when, <laughs> when we know, we we heard the story of Victor Crowley already. So, um, just again, p- two part of there that was dumb, and it just it just dropped for me. I was like, the deaths just got crazy. Yeah, yeah. When shit really got real, absolutely, y- yeah. you are correct. All right, so let's let's go right into uh, favorite death scene. I I already let me just jump off the rip here. It's Marcus for me. He it was towards the end, uh, last five minutes. Yep. Uh, it was in this cemetery scene. They're trying to get away. It's it's Mary Beth, Ben, and Marcus at this point. Marcus, uh, guess what? wasn't wasn't the first black man to die. You know, he he kind of made it to the end. Yep. So uh, good for him. You know, like usually, you know how how the formula goes, uh, unfortunately, and uh, and Scream taught us that. <laughs> yeah. So this is this wasn't the case, and um, it was also in Scream, Scream Three. Yep. Yep. So um, anyway, the 
Marcus' death, the reason why it, it, it reminded me of uh, Kincaid, not because of the color of his skin, but it was because Victor Crowley kind of hugged him, brought him in, embraced him. Yep. A nice back, manly hug, like from arms around, just nice hug. Uh, kind of took the breath out of him a little bit, yep. and then just ripped his arms off. <laughs> you yep. know, and and, and then uh, poor Marcus just fell on his face. Guess what? You're already in a cemetery. It was it was you know you're already there, man. You're, you almost made it to the end, and you got a nice big warm embrace by Victor Crowley. But the finishing part is after the arms get ripped off, he picks Marcus up by the legs and flings him into a tombstone, and he just crumbles. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, batter, batter up. <laughs> yeah. So to me, I was like, well, you know, like he, he got a nice warm embrace by Victor Crowley. Showed a lot of love. Very Kincaid and uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th part four uh, when he died in the, well, it was, it was at the time. That's where they buried Freddy. That's where they buried his bones. Right. In the, in the, uh, gra- in the graveyard. Um, it was actually a, a dump, right? Yeah. Or a scrapyard. And Kincaid was there, and, and and I just remember that death scene as being one of the best. Gave him a nice big hug, and just yep, and killed him that way. So something about when you get embraced and then killed, something something uh, very very uh, passionate there. I think for sure, good death. Yeah, a lot of the death scenes to me they remind me of like this is a fan film almost like I just watched like every eighties horror movie and I decided I could do this too. And I make a movie and it's low budget, but this is what I come up with. And it's like, you're rooting for all these things as the movie's happening. Because every time a death scene comes up, you're cheering like somebody just caught a Hail Mary at the Super Bowl. Like you're like, Oh my God. Oh, you know, like you just, you get this reaction to all the death scenes, which is really awesome. Um, mine uh, is definitely Shannon. Um, as Jay already mentioned, um, he grabs uh, he grabs Shannon, uh, bottom jaw, top jaw, and just separates. And he snaps pulls, it like a twig. Yeah, he pull he pulls the jaw completely out of place, rips her head all the way back, and then you just see like her the bottom half of her her jaw and a tongue just sticking up, wiggling in the air. Big, big tongue, big tongue, yeah. very big tongue. Yep. Yeah, let she, it be she, known. She might have Gene Simmons in this movie. Yeah, with that let thing. it be known. Way um, to go, Jim. Yep, you got you got you had to keep her. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she could have been in Bayou Beavers number two, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, really great scene. I thought like the gore level of it, and it was it was kind of cheesy enough. I I just loved it. I, again, I don't think there's a death scene in this movie I didn't like. I think they were all pretty excellent. All the ones they had. Um, oh, I don't. They kept topping them each each other and. Uh, Outdoing each other, and, and like yeah. you mentioned, and we we'll, we'll, we'll say it again, they get better in two, do, three, and four. They so. do it throughout the entire film series. Yeah. They just keep upping their game. Because as we're kind of trying to pick our favorite, I'm even going back to um, they've got. Uh, you don't see how Misty dies, but he's throwing body parts of Misty at Ben. Um, the the sander. The sander to the bottom jaw. Um, oh, it's Jenna. Of Jenna. No, yeah, Jen, but when he killed um, Misty, you don't see Misty die, but you no, see all of a sudden her right. head hit Ben, and then her torso hits Ben, yeah. so you know that she was she was Ripped killed apart. in a way. Um, Sean, they kill with the shovel, decapitate him. Yeah. Um, there's just so many great death scenes in this that are just... They're they're just cool. I don't know. Yeah, again, it, 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 a big homage to Jason Voorhees and all the very unique styles that he had to create over ten movies plus uh, of all the iterations of Jason Voorhees. Uh, well, this was all kind of done in one, and each one was very unique. Uh, he's got a he, you know, at, at, you know, in two thousand six, kind of ahead of the time. He would he have a electric sander? Which I'll I'll mention in a little bit. <laughs> was, was that even a thing? I don't think he plugged that in. But anyway, uh, and I don't think there was gas fired Sanders. Maybe there were, but you know, I'm just kind of like, eh. yeah, that that's in my notes. <laughs> Got it. Um, which which we can get into pretty much right now. Or- well, I want to say one thing real quick is that um, so if any of you are a fan of the Friday the Thirteenth video game, which is one of my all time favorites, which one, the Nintendo version? No, no, for Xbox. Well, they put it out for Xbox and I guess PlayStation and then. Nintendo Switch. So they oh, had like that for recently. everything. 
Yeah, but it's a great game. It's okay. really, really good. It it does a great job at following Friday the Thirteenth, the movie. You get all the maps, you get all the characters, like to some degree. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you got Tommy Jarvis. You get all the different Jasons from all the movies, all with different abilities and powers. But really great game. Um, so one thing about the game is that the Jason kills you've got like a, a ton of kills, and they're all really creative and really interesting. You know, like twisting heads around, um, punting heads, like all different things that are just kind of really bizarre. So I don't know how much of that was influenced by Adam Green, but Adam Green was part of the development team, whether he was helping write for it or whatever. He was part of the team for the game. And so uh, I just thought that was really interesting because when you see all the kills from Friday the 13th, the game, and then you go back and watch the Hatchet films, you're like, okay, like... If he wasn't the one to help create these, then at least maybe they they took some of this because Kane Hodder helped with all of the um, the actual like action sequences when they made the game. So it was like his him actually doing these kills and doing some of these motions and stuff. So he did the motion capture. Um, so I think between Kane Hodder's influence of how he did the kills in the movie as Victor Crowley. I, I just think it all ties in together, and I thought that was really cool to see that he was part of the game. Yeah, because for a second there, I thought you were talking about the old 1987 uh, or 88 Nintendo version, <laughs> which is kind of like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I, I still have to meet the person that actually beat these games because I think it was impossible. I think the point was... We, we just wanted to keep pumping quarters in or whatever because yeah. there's no way to win those games. Well, Jay, I have the game on NES, and we're going to play it next week. Did you? Gonna have see. you ever beaten it? No. I can't even get past the first cabin. No, no. You see him 12, once 12 campers just died. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you like, and your friends are dead. <laughs> yeah. It was like Oregon Trail, but... Like, <laughs> Your cow got diphtheria, <laughs> like crossing the river like again. <laughs> Jesus, like Christ. I just went out and shot nine buffalo. I'm trying to carry them in my in my two wheeled wagon. But at least in Oregon Trail, you could win because I think yes. I witnessed that. I have never heard. I and I, again, this is maybe an urban legend. I I, I want you to prove it to me, <laughs> like because yep. if there's a listener out there saying I know a person, bullshit. No, you don't. It's like an urban legend, you know. Yeah, you wouldn't know them. They go to another school. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh uh, yeah, she's from Canada. She hangs out with my internet girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's from Canada. So, uh, I met her at camp. Um, that's from another. I know. Religion. I saw her beat it. I know it. Yeah. It was 1991, but I remember I saw it. It definitely happened. Yes. Uh, but uh, anyway, I digress. But that. They, I, th- I thought you were going that direction. I was like, "No, that your game, version sounds way better." No, I don't know what motion they captured for that, but it was like they took Double Dragon and, and Mike Tyson's Punch Out and created this game. Yeah, and it's like you just wanted. I guess the point was to be killed by him. <laughs> like, I guess you wanted to see him come out of the woods with a with a machete. Yeah, probably. So, all right, uh, let's get into. Well, that was dumb. Um. I'm sure we have a ton. I'm just going to throw out a couple here. Uh, Why don't we go back and forth? <laughs> yeah. Don't go. Vi- yeah. Let's rapid fire. Yep. Don't go visit voodoo places in Louisiana on your vacation. Agreed. Uh, ben, saying to your friend who's obsessed with sex, haven't you seen enough boobs? Mm, not a good question. No. <laughs> uh, don't fish at night in the rain. For gators. Um, I like the, when he says you're gonna see real live ghosts. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, the, the the just the the trope of the old couple from the Midwest on this boat tour it was just dumb. Like I, I didn't get it. You kind of expect them to last longer because they become like the kind of parenting figures to the younger folks. And so you want them to last a little bit longer. But they were like the first to go. They yeah. were the first to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't want them to go. You, you know, could could this movie have been better with them lasting longer? Maybe. Well, that was dumb. Um, when the kids... Uh, set off the fireworks and set the Crowley house or the Crowley cabin 
on fire. It's like a small fire in the front on the porch um, that kind of catches the door on fire. But yet, as Victor Crowler's in there in 30 seconds, there's beams falling behind him that are set on fire. Like, this place is going to... Like, if four beams fell from your ceiling on a small porch fire, the whole house would have already crumbled. So I just thought... uh kind of dumb with the way they made the fire whole fire scene look. Yeah, and, and the dialogue, and I'm sure you'll get into it a little bit more, Jenna and Misty, uh, uh, I think Jenna was asking Misty, no, vice versa, Jenna, Misty was asking Jenna, what's the number for 911? And she's like, <laughs> it's 911. But isn't there an area code? It's like, maybe there's an area code. Well, that was dumb. Uh, honestly, everything Misty said is pretty yeah, dumb. Uh, e- either one. There's a difference between police and cops. Yeah. Is there? Maybe. It could be. Maybe we don't know. The police send the cops. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I Like you said before, um, the electric sander. So there's no gas-powered sanders as far as we know, or at least this thing didn't get or revved battery up that operated. Or that battery operated. That's probably 10 years later down the line. Yeah, he had this like old crusty sander that he used, belt sander, and uh, I don't know where the heck he plugged this thing in. Uh... Oh, uh, so when Victor Crowley died as a child in the house when it got caught on fire was the whole urban legend. Uh, the dad died 10 years later of a broken heart. Now, in other movies, you'll know that if you die of a broken heart, it's usually like 10 months later. Like it's within the first year is quote unquote dying of a broken heart. Yeah, 10 years later. Mm, no, nah, he was probably heavily drug induced and probably depressed and did other things to get to that point because it's he's a recluse and and by the way in the urban legend he 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 knows he killed his son so it took you 10 years to like to finally croak like you you might as well have taken your life right away yeah i I, I don't know why you don't break a window on the back side of the house where the fire is not why you're trying to ram a hatchet through the front door um, oh, you wouldn't do that? To open it, yeah. You, and you have a hatchet waiting in your truck when you come home, and you're like, oh, I got to get it in my house. Well, let me use my hatchet. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a bizarre one. Um, one one funny, kind of funny part I saw was, uh, so w- when, they're, when they go to leave on the tour, and you see this guy yelling from a boat, it's like the swamp's closed. You can't go out, and you can tell that Sean's <laughs> trying to like just get the boat started as fast as possible and get out on the water or on the swamp because he knows what he's doing is is wrong or he can't do it. It's illegal at this point, and um, they're asking who who is that guy? He's like, oh, he's one of the he's one of the night fishermen here, Jack Cracker. Don't listen to him. He's crazy. He drinks his own piss. And so this guy's like, come on, you guys can't go out here. He's still screaming across, and then as they launch out on the boat, you look over. <laughs> Jack starts drinking his own piss. Yeah, out like of a year. one gallon bottle of piss. He's, <laughs> well, he's got drink. no. He's got a. He's got a urinal, like a little like plastic urinal, like you see in a hospital. He's drinking his own oh, piss. Man. I just thought that scene was like really funny and obviously dumb, but it was. Just, I thought it was hilarious that, you know, you 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 get the impression that Sean is just lying to to get the group to think this guy's crazy, and he actually is crazy. Yeah, and what? Why? Why Adam Green went with Jack Cracker instead of just a Cracker Jack? <laughs> I, I don't understand. I mean, he, he kind of hid that a little bit, but uh, I'm sure you got any more on your list. The only other one I'll say is that, and I, I think they speak to it a little bit, but some of the accents in this movie, when they're trying to, like, when some of the characters trying to play Southerners or, you know, trying to do that sort of New Orleans accent, um, it's all over the place. So I'll just say, I don't know if it's, if you want to blame it on the acting or you want to blame it on staying in character, but... Uh, boy, oh boy, the accents are all over the place in this movie. <laughs> and nobody has, like, is looking at a forecast in this movie either. Like, it's kind of dumb. Yep. Like, they, like I said, in the, right off the top, it's like, all right, we're going fishing at night, and it's going to rain. All ominous things. And the same thing. They get on a boat. It starts to rain. The boat starts to flood. It crash or it crashes, then starts to flood, starts to rain. They all panic. They get off the boat. And I'm like... I guess that's Louisiana weather for you. Very similar to, I guess, New England. You know, rainforest. Wa- yeah, just wait five <laughs> minutes and the weather's going to change because it, it rained twice in this movie. In the same night within a few hours? No, well, the other, it was another night. So it rained three times. It rained twice in the night that they crashed. Right. I'm like, because I guess when, it just. They rinsed. set Victor Crowley on fire and 12 seconds later, because of the rain, he's totally. Yeah. 
he's they put him out basically. So if anyone's from Louisiana and just says, "Yeah, that's how the weather is," uh, I guess we'll, we'll be told straight. But I know New England's like, "Yeah, just wait five minutes, the weather's going to change." So I guess yep. Louisiana's the same thing, right on the bayou there. Anywho, uh, segment number five. What would you do? Would you get off the boat? Uh, if it's sinking, yes. Yes, because there's alligators. So, okay, that makes sense. So, all right, you're getting off the boat. Now you're off the boat. You're with all these people. Are you fucking running away from these people? Like, at what point when you first see Victor Crowley, are you like, see, I'm out of here? I don't, yeah, we don't need to be a group anymore. No, I, I, uh, if I was, if we were Marcus and Ben, I'd just be like, let's go. Me and right. you. Fuck these people. I'm out. Well, Marcus had the right idea. He goes up in a tree and he's like, I ain't coming down. Oh. And it, uh, so we missed that, and that was dumb. Mm-hmm. Why did he get down? <laughs> he just stayed in the tree. <laughs> and he he fell Mark- and hit like three branches on the way down, and 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 he hit his nuts. Yeah, hit his nuts. He was like that. That was dumb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he ran up a tree, and he, he was high up there, man. And he should have just stayed there. He was high enough to see lights in in Bourbon Street. Yeah, I'm yep. sure you're safe, dude. And you could see everything happening below, and be like, I'm cool. Yep. Yeah. That that we'll go back to that was dumb but also what would you do if i'm up in that tree i'm not coming down right would you run up a tree or I would think you so. just run i think okay so if if i'm if you're being realistic so you're in a swampland where you don't there could be a gate around any corner you don't know where water is as dark as can be if i have the ability to climb a tree and go up there fuck yeah i'm going to climb a tree does victor crowley der- kill anyone during the day no, because I think he only haunts at night. Is what okay. kind of what they said is like that's his time to come out. He, you can hear him but at you night. Don't, you don't know that. You run up a tree. What are you, are you gonna stay up the whole time? Well, maybe you see Victor Crowley coming, and uh, who knows? Is he gonna chop down the tree? But uh, again, I think you have a you stand a better I, chance with his neck and his hump. I don't think he can. Look I don't up. think. Yeah, he probably can't even look up. I think I think you stand a better chance up in that tree, staying quiet, than you do running around. In the absolute dark with a weird flashlight with a bunch of people who are screaming around every corner. I'm just going to run my ass off, I guess. If I know which direction I'm going and there was, I had some semblance of an idea, then yes. But I think Marcus had the right idea after running away from seeing this brutal murder to going up a tree. Well, that's my point. Marcus got to see, and, and even Mary Beth is asking him up in the tree, hey, yeah, man, where? where are the lights? What direction? And he... And he he doesn't really answer it, which which sucks. But he sees lights, so well, at that point, far. at that point, I'm like, I'm get, I'm going, I'm going to those lights. If yeah. you're up in a tree, it can't be more than a mile away. It took him a while to drive there, though. Is the only thing. It's what I'm I'm confused about is that when you see them driving there, it's daylight, and then by the time they get there, it's pitch black. So it almost seems like you probably burn at least an hour, right, to drive there. But I, they're making it seem like it's super close. So I, I don't know. It, it it it's weird in general how the whole thing plays out. But yeah, I mean, I guess you run or you hide are your two options. But I'm not gonna scream, and I'm not going to um, try to find all the other people because I don't know them. I'm gonna take the person that I know, and I'm gonna get the fuck out of there. Perfect. All right, we'll 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 uh, kill that segment right there. No pun intended. All right, number six. Here we go. They ain't never going to be right. The Sue Award. Hard to say on this one. It is hard to say because, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think anyone makes it. Yeah, the ending leaves it up for... It's Victor Crowley, I guess. Yeah. He's, he's fucked up. Yeah, he's right? never going to be right, for sure. He was, I guess, never right? Yeah, he was never right. Um, I think if you... If you just end it where the movie ends, Ben and Mary Beth are still alive, but you know not for it, long. It, 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 it goes to black, and it's pretty ominous. And yeah, I think I think Mary Beth's in his grasp, and I, and Ben is missing an arm. Yeah, she's she's a they ain't never gonna be right for most of the movie because she finds her brother and father dead. So she goes looking for them, kind of assuming the worst, but hoping for something else. She sees them dead. So she she kind of goes from what you you take as the anti-hero. And I think I think that's where the the weird shift in dynamic happened, like sort of the the catalyst of the movie is that you've got her on a mission looking for her father and brother, and she's packed, she's ready to go. 
and she's kind of leading the charge. She knows about Victor Crowley. She knows what to do, where to run, where to hide. But the moment that she sees her her father and brother dead, she's like completely and you know she's in Ben's arms crying you know and then Ben kind of takes the lead almost yeah. and Ben you don't you don't you don't see him as the protagonist you know he's kind of the lead character but you see him as more of this kind of you know background character almost so I think when he kind of takes over as the leader of the group you're first of all you know they're doomed but also you can tell that again Mary Beth at this point is really upset because of of what what she's seen during this time not about the people that died because she knows i don't know them and we kind of anticipated them that they were going to die but father brother she ain't gonna ever be right because of that uh yeah so i think mary beth even though she might not make it but if she does yeah she ain't never gonna be right so uh, let's give that award to her for this for this movie um can we call out a franklin award real quick yeah, let's yeah let's circle back well, to the Franklin Award and couple candidates. I I had four uh, in the first like thirty minutes, which kind of changed towards the end because then I liked Marcus. Yep. But Marcus just because he was kind of like he, he wasn't was, helpful. <laughs> he he wasn't really supportive of Ben wanting to go on this trip. Ben was Ben's an also a candidate because he was kind of forcing Marcus to go on this trip. And to be like tagging along, uh, Doug Shapiro, which we haven't even spoken about. It's actually Joel Murray, Bill Murray's younger brother. Uh, so again, part of that one point five million dollar uh, budget <laughs> probably went to Joel Murray a little bit. He is a no namer. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right there. It's not like yeah, Sleepaway Camp. We had uh, James Earl Jones's father, and now we've got Bill Murray's brother in Hatcha. <laughs> Uh, and then Sean, who is the, um, the tour guide. Yeah. The, 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 the sleazy, the doesn't know what the hell he's doing tour guide, uh, that pretty much takes him to all their deaths and his self. So, um, but I think the runaway is, is Doug Shapiro because what he's actually doing on this trip is what we find out later is that he, full, right away, he's filming like a Girls Gone Wild. What was the movie? Um, Bayou Beavers. Bayou Beavers. And he's got a nice blonde, Misty, and a brunette, Jenna. Uh, pretty much going topless all different times of this boat trip. Yeah. And he's, he's filming everything. And do all these different things. And then what we find out about this guy, he's actually, do you have his real name? Uh, I don't remember, but he he's he's a mar- he's a marketing marketing manager. Yeah. And, and this is kind of his cover to like, I wonder if he does it through the internet. Yeah, like, I think he lures. He definitely does because he he lures these women in, telling them that he's he's shooting a famous director, yeah, he's a famous for like director, the girls and gone wild producer, and he's filming a, a movie similar to Bayou Beavers, which I guess is probably like yeah, Girls Gone Wild type thing. And you find out that it's just a front he's putting on so he can make his own sort of spank bank. Yeah, for his own pleasures. His own pleasures. And, it, and it's just like this guy's. A fun. He's a dirtbag right away, and then he's more of a dirtbag, and then he meets his demise. Forgot how he got it. Uh, he good. gets the head twist. Yeah, Victor just, Crowley just turns his head around, gives him a three sixty. Yeah. Yep. And it's pretty graphic. So I, I'm going with you know, he's got to have the Franklin Award, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he. We might even have to have our own, a separate award called the Artie Award. <laughs> <laughs> he might be our Artie. Remember the chef from Sleepaway Camp? Oh yeah. He might even have the Artie Award, but the yes. creep that wants that should get it for being a creep. Yeah. So this. So I don't know. Artie might have his own award. He might be the originator. Exactly. So he, we might have. Yeah. To, there might be a movie where instead of a Franklin, we've got all an right. Artie. So all you <laughs> listeners out there, we might be developing a new award on top of Franklin. Franklin is just a a whiny bitch who uh, you just want to be killed of the group. Which is probably, yeah. you know, Misty. Yeah, Mi- yeah, Misty definitely is is more of of a typical Franklin because she she just says these dumb things the whole time and and she's loud. She's loud, and you know that if anything, she's the one that's going to get the group killed because Correct. she doesn't want to cross the branch to get off the boat. All um, right, so Doug is the Artie Award. Doug, yeah, Doug's more of an. So we arty. might be developing it right before your eyes, ladies and gentlemen. I think as we get into more of the '80s um, movies, we're going to see a lot of Arties. Creeps. 
a lot of they're, creeps. Yeah, creep creeps are kind of around every corner in in the in the eighties. I think they did less of that in the nineties. Like the um, the hills have eyes. The uh, the guy who had the gas station. Yep, he's he he would be an arty. He's an arty. Yeah, he he's just a regular guy that kind of like is just doing bad things. He's he's kind of a creep. Yeah, he's doing awful things for his own personal gain. Yeah, but yeah, not quite. Not quite the Franklin, because I think with Franklin is that you're meant to like him. You're not meant to like, like you're meant to like him in the sense that he's part of the group. Yeah. So initially you're meant to like him, then you realize he's very. He's annoying. not like the core member of the group. Yeah, he's just he's, there. He's the fifth wheel. Yeah, perfect. Wow, well that was fun. So we we, we might have an, uh, uh, another uh, returning segment or award. Indeed. All right, so alternate ending. I'm gonna just come off here right away, Mary. Beth uh, signals early or midway through the movie about Victor Crowley and who he was. She she pretty much tells the story, the urban legend of him. And there was a moment there where after a few deaths, she's like, I want to just confront him and kind of like help him, say that we want to help him, right? More of a psychological uh, approach to disarming Victor Crowley. So in my alternate ending, I wanted her to go with that. And it works. And she's able to disarm Victor Crowley. And kind of like in Friday the 13th, part one, where she was, she or no, no, part two, where she puts the sweater on. Yep. And yep, part two. Jason thinks it's his mother. And then what was it? Uh, a machete to the head, right? Yep. So very similar. That's 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 what I'm looking at. Dis disarm with some psychology and say we're here to help you. Everything's gonna be okay because I think that's what he, she alluded to it. But they never went for it. Yep. Like you kind of buried the lead here. Go with that in the alternate ending. Disarm him and then chop his head off. Yeah, if 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 his whole goal every night and you know is that he he wanders the swamps looking for his daddy, then yeah, maybe you figure out some way to give him what he wants as opposed yeah. to trying to kill him. So he seems confused and scared, is what they say many times. He's confused and scared. Is that well, try to make him comfortable. What can you do to do yeah. that? So that that would be my alternate ending. I also had that in what would you do? Maybe use a psychological approach of disarming him and then Brutally murdering him after that. Very yeah. similar to an homage to Friday the 13th, really. Yeah, alternate ending, and maybe we see it. And I can't remember because it's been a little bit since I watched it. Maybe we see it in part two, but is that um, in the ending where Mary Beth comes out of the, the swamp and she thinks that she's being rescued by Ben, and it turns out that Victor Crowley has... Uh, ripped Ben's arm off and is dangling it down below the boat so she so she reaches up and grabs it um I think that maybe she pulls up on the boat and Ben in one last hurrah of courage knocks Victor Crowley out of the boat and they're able to speed off and Mary yeah Beth where's lives. where's the alligators when you need them yep yeah maybe the gators get crowd whatever but I think that they they speed away in the boat and then you you believe it's going to be a happy ending because you can still make a part two because Victor Crowley is still there haunting the swamps every night, but you also get get the tail to take away where it becomes more of a fear element where now I think if they both survive and they go tell their story, how many more people are going to want to go look for Victor Crowley? Yeah. Right. You know, so it, it's still going to happen. Yeah. Part two, three are, are, are writing themselves yep. as they already did. Yep. <laughs> All right. So the final segment Rate the soundtrack and score. Uh, you mentioned early in the opening credits you had a Marilyn Manson song, which we kind of deliberated. I think it was uh, ten years too late for Marilyn Manson. <laughs> it, it was it was kind of moody and it it worked. I think as the opener because it the song itself is sort of this dark industrial. You know, blah blah blah, sex, sex, but drug. It was just yeah. like, what is these? It kind of takes, yeah, it takes great. you a, from a dark place, and it kind of takes you into the you know the, the mind hedonism, of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the mind hedonism, of- and all the other stuff yeah. that's going to happen with Mardi Gras. So it's kind of a good transitional song yeah. um, as it progresses in there. But I think if you had the song start over 
the Mardi Gras scene, it would have made more sense. Like if the credits were the score and then as the Mardi Gras scenes come come on, then you play the Marilyn Manson song as they're showing what Mardi Gras looks like. I think that would have made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I thought the song, even though I don't love the song, worked well with the intro in general. I think it made sense in the movie. But there's not a lot more to it than that. Uh, the well, hold score. On, oh, hold oh, on. Uh, before you get into the score, I apologize. Another big ticket was Paula Cole's <laughs> 10 Years Too Late song as well. I don't want to wait. wait. Uh, and a little funny trivia here where it, Dawson's Creek back in 2020 during COVID, uh, Netflix bought the rights to it. But if you, if anyone watched it, I did. I'm holding my hand. <laughs> Paula Cole did not sell the rights to her song to Netflix, but sold her rights to this movie in 06? Or was it not credited and stolen? I think it's credited as someone else performed it because you only hear it through a cell phone so it could have been somebody covering the song exactly like her but through a cell phone you can't really tell if it's yeah i just i just thought it was funny so the trivia there is more of on the netflix version that she was like no i don't want any part of it because i'm not going to get paid and netflix was like no we're not going to pay you We're, we're buying the show right and your song is part of the show and she's like no 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 it's actually my song so you have to pay me and you can't have it so it was funny. It was a funny little uh, tidbit for a Netflix show version of Dawson's Creek. If you go watch it, they might have changed it. They since. changed the song, right? They, they different... it was a totally different song. My yep. sister called me, and she's like, "Hey, have you been watching Dawson's Creek on uh, Netflix?" Yeah, and I'm like, "No, not, not really." <laughs> well, and then she was like, "Yeah, the song's not on there," so I had to go check it out, and then I had to do this whole research about it, and that's what I found out. Paul, Paul, Paula Cole was like, no, you cannot have the rights because you're not going to pay me for it. Smart I mean, for her. Good, yeah. Smart for her, but it was. It, I remember now wa- watching, I saw maybe one or two episodes and I was like, oh, this is horse shit. Yep. <laughs> it was, it, I used to watch it all the time in high school. Uh, I, had, I had a girlfriend, so, I mean, I was kind of suckered into it. Um, willingly. Yeah, I dated a girl <laughs> around that time who loved Dawson's Creek, um, so we didn't talk on the phone during that time. <laughs> when- oh, we used to have homework sessions oh. uh, at, her, at her house or my house on Wednesdays on hump day. Well, what's funny is I think, so if, you, if, if you're taking it from the show Dawson's Creek and that's why you think that Misty has this as a ringtone, it's kind of funny because you go from this beautiful opening shot of Dawson's Creek where they're on the bridge and it's like this beautiful landscape of water and whatever. And then they're the phones in the mud in a bayou. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a funny play where that's why it's ringing. Um, So those are my two, two uh, actual songs. And then go ahead with the, with the score. Yeah. The score I think is by uh, Andy Garfield and it's, it's it's nothing super memorable. I think it fits it fits with the with the um the movie for sure. I think they could have went a little bit different of a direction. Yes, I think they could have yes. made it a little bit more like we had mentioned before in some other movies where they have this sort of like more of a whimsical score where it's more like they're they're searching around this bayou. They could have had a little bit more, I think, especially when you talk about New Orleans and you talk about some of like you know, creepy kind of jazz and stuff they could have done or marching song. Like, I think they could have done something that created a little bit of that element where when they're wandering around the swamps, instead of just hearing crickets and birds and stuff that you heard more with that slasher. Like when I first saw that, it was like, Oh six, Oh seven. The first thing that popped out of my mind, I was like, Oh, this soundtrack score is going to be fucking awesome. And it wasn't, it's super underdelivered in my opinion. Yeah. So to me, my, my score is probably below four. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I give, I give it a five. Um, I think the better ones out there. I mean, we have already done movies with better ones. So it's kind of like, yeah, your score was fine to fit a horror movie, but it, 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 it was lackluster for Oh six Oh seven. I mean, I get your budget was low, but come on. Yeah, I think I think with the budgetary restrictions, I'm sure that they were kind of limited about what they could do on here. But I mean, I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off here. Yeah, the the music that is on our podcast would have fit very well on that movie. <laughs> so for all you who listen, you know the, that song is pretty much produced and performed <laughs> by yours truly over here, Eric. Yes, and and, it, and and it's ominous, and it's got the guitar. It's it's 
it is you're getting fucking ready for this show. Yep. That could have been spread all over this by a very local musician for probably pennies on the dollar. Just name and, recognition in a movie. Yeah. Could that's what it. I didn't need the score. I needed some more of that shit. Yeah. So that's why I'm like below four. Yeah, I, I agree. I it definitely it needed something else. And I, I think they could have done more with them wandering to build the tension. Um, I think what worked well is that, again, there was a bit of that jump scare. But I think even in good 80s slasher movies, there is some theme that happens in there, whether you're talking about uh, Friday the 13th or Halloween. Like every time the killer's there, it's got its own, you know, it's got its own sure. music. And I think that they could but have done something. Did he have something. it? Yeah, he, I right. mean, they had, they, had, they had a score over, over the kill scenes and stuff. But I think that when they were showing what happened to Victor Crowley, when, like how he died in the first place, I think they could have built it there by putting in the music underneath where you see, like your your mind goes to... Yeah. Freddy had what? The synthesizer? Yep. Or whatever that... Dee, dee, whatever the... I can't fucking... Well, he had his own song. One, two, Freddy's no, no, coming no. for you. And he had that... He had a jingle. Like, yeah. it was... It was it, when you knew... You were in dreamland. When you hear it, you'll you'll know. Yes. But it's one of those things where you're like, I, it will I be on our them. show when yeah. we have it's it. It's not it's not a meow mix theme, you know. You're but not then, gonna. <laughs> but then you had John Carpenter for Halloween. You know that yeah. song. Everyone does. Yeah. And then you had <laughs> for yeah. uh, Harry Manfredini. I right. Think. I mean, so all these slashers had something. That Victor Crowley didn't. And maybe in two and three. Again, I haven't seen it. Do they, they should have developed that. Adam Green, you kind of dropped the ball and you needed him to have some, the way that you killed people, a guitar riff, like a, yeah, a metal. It was metal this whole time. I mean, if you're thinking about like putting this movie in a box of like music, it's, it's heavy metal. The death is like, Holy shit, what did I just watch? Yeah, Victor Crowley looks like your average metalhead. Yeah. No, no offense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he looks like an average metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> you look, I, I, I don't want to go any farther with that. <laughs> Jay, how could you say that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I'm giving you shine for the, uh, the our, our podcast music. I don't think we've ever Appreciate talked that. about that. That that is that yep. is yours truly over here, Eric. I want so when you listen, uh, I, I I tell everyone that I know who listens. I'm like, yeah, Eric, <laughs> he does his own uh, the own music too. So now when you listen, be like, oh, that they they do it all themselves. Yep, we're 100% funded and produced. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, man, I think that's it. I think we ripped through it. I mean, it was a short movie. Let's. It was only ninety three minutes. Yeah, perfect, perfect length for a horror film. Yeah. Uh, again, it's on Amazon Prime. Yep. So go ahead and get it. If not, Tubi. If you don't yep. have Prime, it's on Tubi. Might have commercials, but you can deal with it. Yeah. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm letting you know. You, you can find it out there after you listen to us. Uh, go ahead and watch it. It's worth your hour and a half. It's it's it, it's a fun watch. It's funny. It, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's fun. I would say that this is a, a movie that um, if you were having a party like in the movie Scream and they're watching Halloween, this would be the movie you want to watch with a bunch of friends because anyone could watch it and think it was hilarious. It's ridiculous. You can make a drinking game. It is out of ridiculous. It. It's ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Yeah. And you got you know you got noticeable people you know so. Uh, 2006 still kind of holds up to some degree. Yep. Um, yeah. But horror that doesn't take itself too seriously, no. and and you can definitely tell it feels like a fan film to some degree. I think that's what made it special, and I think that's why they did multiple movies, and I think why I watched it again today. <laughs> yeah. So let's decide this right now. Uh, do you think our fans are ready for Scream next week? I think so. I we think, want to rip that off. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a hell of a show. We talk about Scream all the time on these, so I think it was one that that brought horror to the mainstream um, in a, at a time where I think that it, we were kind of seeing a little bit of a lull. So. It's either it's either Scream or A Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's do because right now it's kind of an homage to Wes Craven. So yeah. where do we want to start? Do you think it's more homage to start in at Nightmare on Elm Street? Work I our way to should. Scream. Yeah, we maybe we want to start with Nightmare on Elm Street because Scream is basic. So Scream, the movie, is talking about how, like, 
the the format of all horror movies. So like I think if we if we go through some of those horror movies first, by the time we do Scream, we're going to be able to to go back and explain where okay. they come up with these things. So, so th- there's a little uh teaser for everyone. Scream is on a docket. We are yes. itching to get it out. Um but we want to wait. We want people to anticipate that movie cuz I don't want to wait like Paula Cole, <laughs> no. but we're going to wait. <laughs> but uh I think yes, we're going to do a Wes Craven Directed. Definitely. So we can't choose one of the other ones. So I think, what do you do? One, three, and seven? New Nightmare? I think those are the only three he did. Yeah. Well, let's start with one. Yeah. Might as well start with one. Uh, Johnny Depp. (laughs) There's so many. I mean, we might go through a lot of those. So uh, one we'll start with, and who knows, maybe the next episode will be three. Uh, we can we can skip two. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that revenge. one that, that one I don't think should have ever happened. I guess if we really want to joke about one, that that's it, that's it. One one really yeah Johnny Depp for all you Heather Langenkamp <laughs> yeah Johnny Depp that was like one of his first movies if not yeah. his first movie. I will tell you right now that I never wanted to lay in a waterbed after Friday or after uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So, <laughs> all right, so there you have it, all you listeners. Stay tuned. Next week's show, Nightmare on Elm Street, Part One. Thanks, y'all. Have a good Peace night. Out.